0: Are you considering homeschooling, but don't feel qualified or don't know where to start? Are you a homeschooler and feeling lost or just need some encouragement? This podcast is for you. My hope is that through everyday homeschoolers stories, you will be encouraged, inspired, and empowered to and in your homeschool. I want to thank my friends and fellow homeschoolers Cole and Lindsay Novak of Good Company for allowing me to use their song, To Be Here Now. You can follow them on Instagram at music.goodcompany, their podcasts, Good Company Podcast on Apple and Spotify, as well as on YouTube. I am Brittany Long, and I am so excited that you're here listening to my podcast. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time. I want to sit down with everyday homeschoolers and talk to them about their experiences and their different seasons so that way you can be encouraged, inspired, and empowered to either homeschool or in your homeschool. So I wanted to start off my podcast with our story. And so my husband is here to um, help me share our story. So hi, Rusty. Hi, babe.
1: Hi darling. It's uh, exciting to be able to get behind my hero here and kind of let people know your heart and who you are and uh, how we can help. So I guess we really want to start with your own school experience and, and speak into what that looked like as a as a child and growing up.
0: Yeah so I went to just your regular public school from kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, I went to a really competitive high school. I think that was the biggest difference in my schooling experience was that there were a lot of smart people and a lot of people that were good at a lot of things. And so that was probably the the hardest part was keeping up with that. But um, just that fear of, you know, doing all the things to look good on a college resume and doing all that and looking good compared to your peers because it was just such a competitive thing to get into a college
1: absolutely and now what was your first taste with homeschool like when did you first learn about it
0: so i mean i honestly don't know how old i was but my parents best friends homeschooled their six children and I loved their life. I loved the way they got to just be together all the time. They're such a tight knit family. And whenever he got contract jobs out of state, they were able to follow and be with him. And I just, it just seemed like they had a very well rounded life. And their kids were just awesome. So um, I would say I was maybe 12 years old or so when I got that introduction to homeschooling.
1: Yeah. And they did it well and were somewhat of a magnet. So we honor them. Now, tell us how you went from public school to work to a little bit to the beginning days of being at home.
0: So I used to want to be an attorney for a long time and Then um, an internship turned me away from it, decided that that was not a path I wanted to take, and my mom really encouraged me to look into the fashion industry. She'd seen me since I was a toddler really being into what I wore, and so um, I actually took a fashion merchandising class in high school that my school had, and then I got into retail, and then worked in retail for several years, and then you know, worked my way up to management and really hated the hours and the pay <laughs> and the stress of it. But, um, eventually I was able to get into wholesale and I was able to work and travel and go to different, um, department stores. I was the wholesales in shoes. And so it was just a lot of fun. I got to go to New York twice a year. It was Basically my dream job other than knowing that I wanted to stay home with my future children it was a really really great job to have you know when I was in that fashion merchandising class in high school we met with some executives from other department stores with buyers and boutique owners and designers and most of them said unless you want to be a designer you don't need to go to school for for this you can just need the experience, so, um, and that's what I did, and I got to do my dream job for minus being a mom, and so that was a really, really fun season, but that season got cut short because, um, when, one, we got pregnant with our oldest, and I, with how much I had to travel and all of that, we just, I, I had this unsettling feeling about leaving her, especially traveling. And so um, I began praying and asking the Lord to make something happen, um, make a clear path for me. And then when I was finishing out my maternity leave, um, we were on a mandatory call with our executives and they eliminated the position within the company. And so it was a automatic no job to go back to and then not long after that we found out I was pregnant again when our oldest was only five months old found out I was pregnant again and so that pretty much sealed the deal on me staying home don't you think
1: yeah I think so that was that was a lot so I want to back up I'm glad you didn't become an attorney to (laughs) to get better at arguing so thank you for that (laughs) thank you for getting into fashion where we can meet and you mentioned something. It was kind of funny that you didn't like the hours and the pay of working in fashion, but you love being a homeschool mom where the hours and pay are so much better. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you're going to have to reconcile that for sure. But, um, but yeah, and I think you kind of touched on it. I mean, our life was just crazy and really thankfully God just kind of guided up all of it for us and mm-hmm. we just rolled with the punches and we made plans and he changed them and we obeyed but um so when did let's see you started with homeschooling with our first at what age
0: well I stumbled into it I felt all of my friends were putting their kids in some toddler thing or Mother's Day out and I was I knew I wanted to homeschool so um. I was like, oh, I need to do something with her since I'm going to homeschool. And so I bought, she was 18 months old and I bought a box curriculum that was geared toward 18 to 24 months old. And I was about on day two when I realized this is ridiculous. I don't need to do this. And that's when I reached out to my mom's best friend and asked her, what do I do? Where do I start? And. She gave me the sage advice of finding a method first. That I needed to find a method. And once I know that, then that will guide me on what I need to do next. And she was right.
1: But then at one point, we put her in...
0: Oh, yeah, we put her in a preschool.
1: Our our, our gym's preschool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was a weird season because she's still a social butterfly and I was pregnant with our third and I just I was just kind of drowning in the fact that I had a one-year-old a two-year-old expecting another baby and I just didn't know what to do with her being so social and so I Put her in a preschool and that was not a fun season because the teacher would come to me and say oh the other kids know how to write their names but she doesn't and I really just wanted to look her in the eyes and tell her I don't care <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like okay thanks for letting me know <laughs> but because I didn't care I knew it wasn't a big deal I knew she was still very very young and it kind of blew my mind that they were already asking them to write their names it just seemed like such a foreign concept to me even in the growing up in the public school system
1: sure so you you talked about trying to find a method how did you go about doing that looking into the different methods
0: google (laughs) google googling educational methods which I didn't even know that there were so many I had heard of um you know Montessori and I didn't I've heard of classical schools but I didn't know it was a uh, type of educational system method. I had no idea, so I, you know, I'd heard of that, but didn't know, and so I started reading about all of them, and then I got to one in particular, and it just felt so right. I mean, I read about it, and I was like, this is how I want to learn, and that was Charlotte Mason. It just, the, the rich literature, the not not learning through a textbook that's really boring, but reading well-written literature literature and so that that was really a big big one for me I think for you it was harder it was harder for you to grasp that concept of the what that would entail over time um but our oldest was only two at the time so it didn't really matter to make a decision right then and then I also loved Waldorf as well I thought that was a beautiful the artistic lean of it was really beautiful to me there was a lot for me that I had a hard time reconciling because um, of our beliefs and um, there was a lot that kind of I just didn't know how to leave out some of that within the method and make that work. So I just decided to stay with Charlotte Mason for the time being.
1: Yeah. And yeah, that's been a great one for us. And then, so how old was our oldest when you started Charlotte Mason?
0: Well, I, since I was two when she found it, there were so many parts of the method that were foreign to me that like nature study, I just never (laughs) didn't, you know, nature wasn't a big thing to me. So I started myself on it at that that time I started collecting books I started learn- doing nature study myself getting outside with her more and pointing things out um, to her just so that way she learns to have that eye and so but we didn't start formal lessons like what Charlotte Mason says until first grade
1: and so yeah I think it's good for people to know I mean you read what two or three books a month as it is, how often do you? How many books do you read?
0: Well, that's that. I read two or three books at a time. I don't know how yeah, you know, okay. how many I read. Sure. <laughs>
1: it's amazing your brain can handle that, but how many books do you think you read about methods, curriculum, and maybe it's more articles than books? But yeah, like how much reading did you did you really do? Oh, I feel like you poured. I mean, you
0: had a, a lot. Thousand plus hours. I mean, a ridiculous amount of time. I, I, especially once I figured out the Charlotte Mason method, I just entrenched myself in as much Charlotte Mason writings and writings about her method as I could. I really wanted to understand and have a good grasp on the method. Yeah. And I'm still reading all of it. I still keep up to date with all of it.
1: I think that's, incredible because you know we talked about public education but you know we didn't finish college and you know a lot of people ask that like oh you know how are you going to be able to teach kids and they don't quite Mm -hmm. understand that like well i i finished the grade i'm teaching so i can really teach them this grade (laughs) for sure but there's this value people place on college and not so much value that they really place on well how many books have you read you know how often you read because there's so much more education Uh, as most people know it's just not the way we're we're um raised so so yeah I love that you really spent a lot of time and that's really where you are why you where you are today is how much you read and um just did all the research so now and then getting into the nature that was really fascinating because I got to really see you know how children can be fascinated with something and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they love to That and that could explode to so many other things. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, talk more about what that nature learning was like for you know our oldest to now all all four.
0: Yeah, we started. I i had recently heard about when she was two a curriculum called, and many people know it, Exploring Nature with Children. And I I looked at it and I said, well, I feel like a child in nature study, so I'm going to go ahead and grab this curriculum for myself. And so that's that's where I started, and I just followed the weekly prompts, the, what books were recommended. I heavily used the handbook of nature study because, of course, that, that would have been beyond our two-year-old's uh, ability to comprehend. And so I just would read as much as I could about that particular subject that day. And then we would observe it. And a lot of times I wouldn't bring it up when we were outside, but if there is something particular that i noticed about the seasons changing or something like that, that I would point out to her and just show her. And it was really, it was really amazing when they started being able to name birds or um, we had at that time, we had a mockingbird that that would often visit the yeah. light posts across the street from our house. And we would just sit there and listen to it sing. And I would sometimes get my phone app and play the bird sound from my phone, and it would get closer and closer to us because it would hear, you know, the mockingbird call and they just – and getting to see the nature up close. And then we have our second child, our daughter, who is – a nature lover I mean she is nature obsessed and getting to watch her um learn through nature you know we spent so many so much time counting ant's legs and counting the parts of an ant's body and counting trying to count a caterpillar's you know um sections and just stuff like that And we would just you know saying, you know caterpillar starts with and things like that to incorporate learning in a way that um, would interest her, because she just loved nature. She didn't want to be inside, necessarily reading or or even outside reading. She wanted to be observing all the things around her.
1: Yeah. And so, Walden Free has also helped with that. Hmm. How long? When was it? When we start with Walden Free? Six years ago. Yeah. And- yeah,
0: I first heard about Walden Free. Through a friend, and then I started listening to a podcast, and I just thought those people were weird. I did not understand. Um, I just didn't love nature that way. I didn't grow up, you know, I grew up loving the mountains and the beach, but I didn't grow up just loving what was in my backyard. And so I thought they were really crazy (laughs) at first. And then I got desperate, and I really needed a homeschool community because our the only other homeschooling friends that I knew, um, two families, they moved. And so they moved out of state. So I didn't have my people anymore and I really, really needed community. And yeah, then I found our community and we all had children under seven at the time. And, um, and now we all have, um, kids that are in, doing formal schooling in third, fourth grade, and um, it's been really
1: sweet. They've become like family. You said you liked the mountains and the beach, but I think you liked the beach more back then. <laughs> Maybe the mountains more now. You're probably and right. You probably didn't like your backyard because it was a suburban manicured yard and you had a cat in the in the back. That's probably why. <laughs> and we are far away from mm. that sort of lifestyle now. So tell me... Let's get into more how it's go, how it goes now with, you know, you you, bringing on like multiple children, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, you're bringing your fourth on now. Yeah. Yeah. So speak into. Yeah. So we
0: have a nine year old, eight year old, six year old, and four year old, two girls, one boy, and then a girl. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of letting go of expectations. Um, you know, I, I set my minimum for every day, and that's what I strive for. I don't, I've, you know, it's really hard still to do that. There are times I'm like, oh my goodness, we haven't picked up our composer study in three weeks. And um, I'm, I'm feeling that pressure. But knowing that they're getting their reading, their math, um their language arts was what i valued and their history and geography those are just things that i valued and so adding a fourth in um having a 4 year old who's not doing formal lessons um it's all about making her feel included we uh we do a lot we give her old workbooks Or I have like a toddler busy, a preschool busy book that she works on. I do a lesson with her once a week and I just go over a letter sound and read a book. And she has some sort of sensory activity, but that's just to make her feel included and she has an interest for it. She really is loving learning right now. And so it's, I just kind of go with what she wants to do.
1: Yeah. And so, about when did you start formal? education with our three oldest.
0: Um 6, age 6 is closer to 7, but age 6. But except our son, our third, he's we started when he was 5 just because he was his mind was going and I couldn't stop it. There was no way I could stop. We don't there's certain things we don't do. Um but he We mostly do math, history, and reading, and geography. We don't do any copy work or anything like that. He just doesn't care to write. And so I'm not going to push that while he's still so young.
1: Sure. And so, yeah, so he's wildly gifted at Mm -hmm. mathematics. And then... uh, And he's six. And then he's ahead of our eight and nine-year-old. Yeah. But he's almost ahead of our eight-year-old in, in other aspects or, mm-hmm. or at least very, very similar. So talk about what it's like to, to have that child that is a little more advanced, maybe in one subject and another child that really has some learning disabilities. Some people would call it.
0: Yeah. So that's been a hard part. I think it's hard to navigate no matter what the age, when you're at home, there's always a natural competitiveness in things and especially with siblings. And so I, once I started noticing that our, our six year old was going to pass up our eight year old, I realized that, and they, and of course they were younger at the time. I realized that we just needed to continue to speak positively over our eight-year-old we you know I she has dyslexia and sensory processing disorder and auditory processing disorder but we have never said that to her Um, I feel very strongly in not speaking that over her and not giving her kind of a, a crutch I don't think right now I think when she's old enough to understand and emotionally mature enough to understand that it's it's not a bad thing it's not something that makes her um, different in a in a bad way or different that you know I can't breathe I can't read because I have dyslexia I don't want that language in her I want her to know that she can read and so we just I just try to tell her that everybody has different gifts her gift is nature and her love for God's creation I mean she picked up a fire ant from our um, from their bathroom and carried it outside because it's just how much she loves God's creation and, and
1: how much it loves her back. It, yeah. Cause it didn't <laughs> bite
0: her. <laughs> um, and so I, I just point out to her, her strengths and her care and how she sees other people. And she's just so compassionate and loving and, so those those are things about her that I point out to her, and I just try not to speak um,
1: labels. Yeah, I yeah. just
0: I just don't want to label her. Yeah. And so now she sees it. Now she feels better about it. But well, before she was frustrated because she did learn to start to learn to read before him, but then he passed her up, and she he was doing math that was. I mean now my our 9 year old is like well i don't know that but he'll know that <laughs> and so it's it is an interesting thing to navigate but it's it's become sweet where you know she sees her strength she sees her place
1: yeah yeah no i love that and giving her noble and worthy and valuable labels so so yeah so we have 3 that are full force formal education and then pretty soon little our little ones gonna be there too. Now you, you talked earlier about setting the sort of like a minimum that you wanna accomplish every day. So I wanna get more into that. What how many days do you hit that minimum a week?
0: <laughs> um two, three on a good week.
1: Okay. And so how many days do you go above that versus Never. like, okay, but it's, that's pretty wild as you say that, but I feel like you're one you day cut? a week. One. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair. And this, you almost make up. So two and mm-hmm. a half and you get maybe another one. So, you know, you, you don't quite hit your minimum. So you're, but you're still, so you call them minimums, but really, um, but they're still pretty good goals. And how do you, cause I feel like you, you, accomplish what you want to accomplish by the end of you know the season mm-hmm. but so how do you get caught up and yeah you know, what is, what does that look like because
0: yeah of... so the the hardest part about charlotte mason is all the subjects there are many many subjects in the charlotte mason education including poet study composer study picture study i mean there's just so many components to the education and so while a traditional school would be very simple and the the charlotte mason method just has so much and that's part of why i love it because it it's a it's a culture builder the the education is and i want my kids to grow up knowing different artists at least being able to to appreciate it even if they don't take it um as something that they love they can at least learn an appreciation for it, and same with um, composers. And that I love classical music myself, and so ha- teaching them that, and then also, I mean, there's so much excitement when they hear a piece and they say, "That sounds like so and so." It is, <laughs> and so it's really exciting to see that, and just teaching the poetry, that beautiful language and um, rhythm of poetry, and. So that's where we usually fall short, is in those subjects. I do try to get done the minimum of, because, you know, if I were to not spend time teaching them to read almost every day, then we would fall way far behind, especially with having a child that has learning differences. If we don't do it every day, then she definitely falls back, and so... How what I set how I set up our our weeks is we school. You're off Sunday Monday Sunday Monday and so we school Sun uh, Tuesday through Saturday. But I schedule lessons three days a week. So we do I have scheduled lessons Tuesday Wednesday Thursday mm-hmm. Friday is our nature study day and that's when we do our nature study. I don't do it any other day of the week. It's just too hard to add in another day right now. And Saturday is a flex day. So the, the incentive for our kids to finish all of their lessons Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is you get Saturday free. You don't have to do school on Saturday, even though it's still a work day for both of us and in, in, you know, speaking in normal, our, our weekly schedule. It could be a fun day for them, and so I try to incentivize them with that, and if they don't, then they don't, and we have to do, we have to catch up on Saturday.
1: Yeah, so we're very different people. I'm, I live and die by a calendar because I have to, and I'm the scheduler and organizer and all those things that my brain works, and so I know that was really tough in our early years trying to trying to help time
0: when you tried to schedule me down to every hour yes
1: yes I did (laughs) I sure did and you don't know it but it did help you and it just didn't work the way I thought it would work but it was I think it was still good for you to kind of see because Mm -hmm. you were trying to figure out how to run a house Mm -hmm. it's not this isn't just like homeschool isn't aren't just subjects right it's it's cooking and cleaning and you know every other thing it's homemaking And, uh, Lord knows you have to get your baking in there too. So, so you had, you had a really hard time, you know, learning how to do it all. And it's, it's a lot to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course I'm here every night and, um, you know, we get one day that I'm home and one day that we Sabbath, but how did, how did you grow in finding your sort of rhythm as, as what you call it?
0: I let go a lot of the the chains of waking up early. I'm not a morning person. And I would try to wake up early to get things done and to get a, a head start, I guess. But then by lunchtime, I was not a nice person <laughs> because I just, you know, having littles and waking up a lot in the middle of the night, I just wasn't getting the sleep I needed And even now I, we have a four-year-old, but she still wakes up at night and comes in our bed and kicks me (laughs) and all the things. And so I, I'm still really tired and, you know, I've had, uh, medical issues the last couple of years that have kept my body needing extra rest. And so finding that rhythm was actually finding my rest what it was figuring out like how can i get maximize my rest so that way i can function properly throughout the day and throughout the week and then i you know i i did find that a rhythm was better for me i'm a type b person i don't like a schedule but i do like consistency and knowing that about myself knowing that i like to wake up get dressed immediately and get ready for the day. I don't like to be in my pajamas very long at all, and so um, I, so I did the same for my kids. I, you know, we, we find that rhythm of when we're in our clothes, we just perform better instead of our pajamas that are meant for sleep, and so just finding that, then once we do, once I did that, it just got people, um, it just got all of us in the right mood. Now, our son is a pajama person, and it's very hard to, for him to think about, like, I need to get dressed, but he also is a very high-functioning person, so he doesn't necessarily need that external motivation to sit down and do lessons, but once we get our clothes on, everybody kind of falls in line. We have our encounter time, and then we start our, we start our lessons, and they just they know that. And there are some days where I don't start lessons kind of about the time we normally do. And that's either because the weather's really nice and the kids are enjoying it, or maybe I have something that I really need to get done. And I just, I let that happen or, and our day kind of shifts a little bit later than normal.
1: I feel like I'm letting B down and not uh, getting dressed. For the occasion, every day now, since <laughs> that's what I do for a living. But so, yeah, and that's definitely something we need to do better. Of. I need to do better just making sure they get dressed and ready for you every day. So, um, let's talk a little more, I guess, about rhythm as it pertains to like that. Does like you feel like the child dictates some of the rhythm? And how different children dictate the rhythm? Or do you just, you, you just completely set the rhythm for, for everybody?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, we, our oldest is very... Um, she's a busy body. She doesn't want to sit still very long. And so her, getting her to sit down and concentrate and do any sort of lesson... It takes a lot, but it's best for me to do it first thing in the day. You know, something I tell her over and over again is if you get it done at the beginning, at the beginning of the day, then I won't mention it to you for the rest of the day. You don't have to hear me sort of nagging you. Hey, we need to do this. Don't forget that. Um, because sometimes I I do get wrapped up with lessons with the other kids who are eager to do school and they're ready to get it done so that way they can have that free time, and so I'm busy with them so she gets really caught up in her her play or whatever she's doing most of the time she's outside and so it's and it's so it's I've got to really get her sat down first and get her started first because if I don't then the rest of it can kind of fall
1: apart. Yeah now. You use some language you said you're encounter time i feel like that's inside of language <laughs> it tell is. tell tell people what that means
0: so encounter time is our time with the lord so it's a time for us to we do a bible reading and we pray and then we all spend time with the lord the way we want to usually we start off with we usually after we read our Bible and we pray. We usually play a worship song. Sometimes it's a song we love that's actually something our church produced. And so sometimes songs are like 17 minutes long. <laughs> and sometimes they all want to choose a song. And so I don't let them play 17-minute songs because then we would never <laughs> get anywhere. But I really do let the us... Um, sit and be with the Lord. There are times when our kid, my kids went to paint or go outside. And so, you know, our oldest and our second love to be outside. And so, um, they go, they do what you do and they really like to take <laughs> off their shoes and go walk around outside. And sometimes it's just sitting there and we're just, um, praying, sometimes they're dancing, and so it's just, and I kind of let that go for as long. Some days, it's, that whole thing is 20 minutes long, and sometimes we can spend 45 minutes doing that, depending on where we're at. I just let the Spirit move and, you know, give the time for the Spirit to work on their hearts.
1: Good way to start the day. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. I hope I did okay, so you can invite me back on.
0: (laughs) Sure, I mean we we I do think we need to talk about how certainty with homeschooling, and how you just weren't sure about the whole thing. You weren't against it, but you just had a you had some opinion about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, but that's for another podcast, right?
0: No, I'm asking you now.
1: Okay, I have to answer. Yeah, I think you know. It's probably that the stereotypical um label that people put on homeschool children that's you know just that's what you know you know you know like that one family that you went to church with that was clearly homeschooled um, didn't get enough socialization and dress different just for different and Like, oh my goodness, we're gonna we're gonna raise different kids. Which is actually kinda weird because earlier we talked about our oldest being such a socialite at the age of two. Like (laughs) that and yeah, we did we I guess we just thought it was normal because she was our first. And we're like, I guess kids can be social at the age of two. Maybe all kids are, we don't know. And come to find out, no kids are the same. Um, even from the same parents, it's wildly Mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that was my biggest fear. And uh and then of now nah, maybe not my biggest fear let's be honest uh, every man's biggest fear is finances right how is the wife going to stay home
0: mm.
1: and and teach while i go make money and of course at that point you're talking about not only did i start a brand new career a year later started all over when we moved back home mm. and you know on a commissioned job mm-hmm. and yeah, which, you know, you, you know, the number that I gave you that I had to make before we before we started <laughs> was that astonishing. Was, uh, was about twice as much as what we uh, actually made that very first year. And yeah, fortunately, God has been faithful and we we've just figured it out. But yeah, and I think, yeah, most, most men do fear money. They don't want to say that they fear money and we don't want to admit that we actually are afraid. But um, so it's easy to talk about in hindsight. So yeah, it was the fear of how we're going to be able to do this pull that off and then also wait a minute you know are our children gonna what does that look like and then but um how much you read and that's why i want to talk about that earlier how much you read really uh encouraged me because i knew that you were doing like and then very early on i could see that you were just anointed to do this and so it was just easy to champion um And of course, you know, you definitely had your struggles of, like, figuring out how to run a household. Yeah. And I knew that you wanted to do that. And so, you know, God spoke to me and told me that, well, if you wanted to take a different job, if that job was less money or if that job was doing something completely different, like, how are you supposed to support your spouse with that? Like, you know, if you came to me and it was a different vocation that paid I'm supposed to champion you, so if that's the case, aren't I supposed to champion you if your vocation as a homeschool mother and mm-hmm. a homemaker, mm-hmm. like it's because the only difference is money, and it really came down to just greed and fear, and so those two things needed to go, and we needed to come into alignment with you know what God had for us, and so so it was easy to submit to Him. It was easy to champion you as you were just rigorous and studying and learning all about it and then you were a good communicator and you know i love asking questions and a lot of them were socialization and that was easily answered i mean yeah our kids are way more social like we do (laughs) more things now with young children than i did you know and i was a very social um young person growing up from you know youth to teenage years so so that you know that sort of stereotype quickly went away. And then of course it was the the check boxes that I wanted to like, you know, when are you gonna learn how to do this or that or the other, but it was kind of easy. We really started with, okay, when are they going to start rolling over? When are they gonna start crawling? When are they gonna start walking? When are they gonna start talking? We didn't really do those things we weren't too worried about, we're like, you know what? All babies are eventually going to roll over, crawl, and walk, and run, and talk, and read. It was just it was just natural for us. And so, when you start off with that as a newborn, you know, or as a, a very young baby, mm-hmm. you start off with that sort of mentality, it's easy to take that to the next level. When I already got into like, you know, when are they gonna start reading? When are they going to start writing? When are they going to start knowing this? And look, not that it's not frustrating when they don't remember their city and state, when their <laughs> uh, nation and continent and all that, when they're nine years old. But of course, it gets frustrating when they, you know, can't remember things. But but that definitely helped. Just knowing that we don't have to like, and we don't have to do things the way the world does them. I didn't. I just. I just don't. I think that's part of. Um, being a successful businessman, um, or you know, just, just doing things different, thinking different. And like you get it, you get an opportunity to do that when you don't grow up and live in the institutions of the world. Like you get to step outside of them and challenge them and say, you know, you, you possibly can pass them up and do better than them. And so that's, I think that became kind of the challenge and the goal of like, Hey, let's just do us.
0: Yeah. And I love that because that's a that's why I wanted to homeschool. It was because I wanted my children to be themselves. You know, not fit in any boxes, not be afraid to explore these interests and and to be weird. If they're a weird homeschooler or not, um, I would rather them be weird than trying to fit in in public school or private school. Because that to me just isn't the way that the you know the Lord created us. And, you know, and I think there's, uh, you know, I definitely have an open hand. I don't know what our lives are going to hold and we have to send our kids to school. We have to, but I just love this life so much. I couldn't imagine it any other way. And so I just pray that the Lord keeps it this way because it's just really, it's, it has, it's hard. It's not easy every day, Um, but it is, um, it's worth it.
1: Yeah. I mean what what blessing is like all blessings are just responsibility. Yeah. And they're that's a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah well,
0: good. thanks for taking some time out of our evening to uh do this with me and I can't I'm really excited to hear from other home educators and other even other fathers who are home educating and just a whole different types of people. So but this is the beginning, so. And thank you for listening. Um, I am just so excited to, I hope our story encouraged you. I hope it. you heard parts that uh, spoke to you about where you're at and where you either are encouraged to homeschool or encouraged in your homeschool. So, thank you.